The Old Testament reading for the first Sunday in Lent is from Deuteronomy chapter 26. When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance and have taken possession of it and live in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground which you harvest from your land that the Lord your God is giving you. And you shall put it in a basket and you shall go to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name to dwell there. And you shall go to the priest who is in office at the time and say to him, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come into the land and that the Lord, that the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. Then the priest shall take that basket from your hand, set it down before the altar of the Lord your God, and you shall make response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my father, and he went down into Egypt and sojourned there. Few in number, and there he became a nation, great, mighty, and populous. And the Egyptians treated us harshly and humiliated us and laid on us hard labor. Then we cried to the Lord, the God of our fathers, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great deeds of terror, with signs and wonders. And he brought us into this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And behold, Now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground, which you, O Lord, have given me. And you shall set it down before the Lord your God and worship before the Lord your God. And you shall rejoice in all the good that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house, you and the Levite and the sojourner who is among you. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the fourth chapter. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. 
For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Jeremy, I love you. You brought back Martin Luther's A Mighty Fortress is Our God. <clears throat> Sorry, I get, I get emotional when I read that last line because it meant something to Martin Luther. It meant something to the generation after him that had to contend for the faith not only in, you know, St. Peter's Dome and study halls of uh, universities and at the Vatican, but on the battlefield in the Thirty Years' War. And it meant something different to the next generation who saw, in the, in the case of, I believe it's Paul Gerhard, all of his children being killed by a plague and his wife being killed by a plague because they were facing a plague. And it meant something else to Christians in persecution, wherever they may be in our world, maybe under the Soviets, when the Lutheran Church in Russia was almost completely wiped out. And it means something else to us today as we face a shrinking and shrinking church with only those that truly want to be there being there, we sing with all those people, take they our life, goods, fame, child, or wife, though these all be gone, our victory has been won, the kingdom Ours remaineth. And so that sets the tone for I was encouraged by a parishioner to go for it and preach on the Old Testament lesson for today. Today is the first Sunday in Lent. Our 40 days of wandering the desert of our lives with pastor's help, with the help of God's word, with the help of our wives, our husbands, our kids, our parents. In fact, you know, I was pushed out of my comfort zone by Jeremy. We we did divine service too. We started divine service too today for the first time. So the chant sounded a little bit different. And where Jesus is during these 40 days is he has just been baptized He is full of the Holy Spirit, like you guys are. God from heaven, the Father, has just proclaimed, this is my Son, with whom I am well pleased. And so, the devil doesn't like that. 
And he starts to challenge it. If you're the son of God, like that voice from heaven said, dot, dot, dot. But first, I want to make a stop in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy's reading today was instructions, almost like, um, I don't know, has anyone here been to Rome? Please raise your hand. Rome, sweet, lots of you. When you go to Rome, there are certain things you just got to see, right? You got to see, is it David? David's there? Pieta? Uh, yeah, nice. Lorraine. You got to do certain things. Well, for Martin Luther, one of the things he had to do was he had to walk up those steps on his knees. Anyone ever hear of this in Rome? You walk up steps on your knees, and if you get to the top, you get an indulgence. And he found himself walking up on his knees, and it hurt. And he gets to the top, and he was like, I don't feel any different. Did I really get an indulgence? Maybe I have to do it again. He went back to the bottom of the stairs. He went back up. You know, because they're like paying for him as blessed faculty of Wittenberg to, you know, spend the sabbatical as a monk priest to go to Rome and see the sights, walk up the steps on your knees. And I just got a, a, a Bible from the library. Elk Grove, best library ever, by the way. And... Uh, Kathy Jerish's name is on the window. <laughs> but anyways, they gave me, there's like a, like a book section, and for like 25 cents, I got what was probably a $200 book in like 1950, which was a expertly bound Pope Paul VI uh, Bible. And in the inside cover, it says, he so whoever readeth these holy scriptures for at least a quarter of an hour a day will receiveth a five-year indulgence from the flames of purgatory. And I said, wow, it's that easy. <laughs> what if I did 30? What if I did 45 minutes? Ah. <sighs> But these instructions that they're giving you, it's not, um, oh, actually, sorry, it's, it's basically kind of a lot like that. You'd come into Jerusalem and you're like, oh, well, we better do uh, somebody open the Torah and let's do De Deuteronomy 26. Moses said we have to say these things. Go get the basket. We're going to fill it with stuff. We're going to bring it to the priest. And we have to say it in Hebrew or else it won't count. All that kind of stuff. So what does it teach us today and why in the world is it the first reading for the first Sunday in Lent? Well, everything in this, these passages, the movements, the stories, the liturgies, baskets and stuff, it all boils down to one thing. Gratitude. Everything that I have has been graciously given to me by God. And gratitude starts with remembering the past, remembering people, events, God's achievements, 
Remembering Abraham. By the way, he's the wandering Aramean. Remembering his faithfulness. That he was wandering the desert, not with eyes on temporary dwellings or tents in the desert, but on eternal dwellings with God. Remembering God's promise of a promised land flowing with milk and honey. Remembering God's deliverance of his people out of Egypt through the desert of wandering into the Holy Land. Remembering the people who made the Lutheran Church of the Holy Spirit great and those who continue to make it great. Remembering the things we used to do and the things we could still do. Remembering the baptisms, remembering the confirmation day, remembering the weddings. Good news, great joy. We remember just like how God delivered Hebrews from Egypt during the Exodus, just like he brought them into the promised land, that he remembered us in our sinful fallen state in this prison of earth. He came down, he delivered us, he led us through darkness from slavery to the devil in wandering in the desert of proving ourselves and into the light. True freedom. Freedom from terror, the terror of our burdened consciences. And by his suffering and death on the cross, his glorious resurrection that we are joined to. Because he has done these great things for us, we remember them. We're grateful to him who has done these things for us. Gratitude. A pastor in San Francisco at the Chinese American Lutheran Church of the Holy Spirit once told me these words. The Holy Spirit has brought this church into existence, and only by his grace, by the Holy Spirit, will our hearts be led to keep it open. And so we begin with gratitude. Because Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. But he didn't necessarily mean only your church. Gratitude, what does it look like? Moses tells us, Jesus would agree, nine out of ten dentists as well. Gratitude looks like bringing your first fruits to the Lord. Who remembers being young? Don't have to answer that question. It sounded different when I was thinking about it in my head. Who remembers when you were young and your parents would give you a few dollars, maybe coins from their pocket, to put in the offering plate at church? It was easy to put in the plate, right? It was easy because you knew it wasn't your money. And that's just the truth of it. It's easier to go to the mall when your mom gives you $20. 
They were trying to teach you something, just like every pastor has been trying to teach you something. Gratitude is realizing what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. What do you have that you have not received? How easy is it to give to God when you daily remind yourself that everything you have is from God and from him alone? And it's not truly yours. It's his. Tithing. Giving. Giving back to God what's already his. It can be easy. God has given me everything that I have. Spouse, mom and dad, children, my house, my, my employment. Do you remember when you were unemployed and you didn't know what was going to happen next? The gift of life itself, goods, fame, child, and wife. In fact, he gave you his only begotten son to rescue you from your enslavement to the devil and sin. So 10%, my tithe, 10% of my take-home, that's his. I don't even have to think about it. Whether I can make it this week or not to church, I don't have to think about it. In fact, I've already written it out, and I can just put a stamp on the envelope. I'm freed from temptation. It's that easy. My money is Jesus Christ's. Everything I have is Jesus Christ's. Now, I understand that at some point in the past, somebody told you, that you don't have to only tithe money. You can tithe other things too. I mean, look at all the time that you pour into the Lutheran Church of the Holy Spirit. Look at these new credence tables that were made by Bob. They're literally beautiful. But for your children, your grandchildren, and your great-grandchildren... My future children, my future grandchildren, my future great-grandchildren, if the Lord doesn't return before then. If I want them, if you want yours to worship at this altar, then the Lutheran Church of the Holy Spirit needs more than your time. Now, I want you to realize that when you give an offering, you're not giving an offering to yours truly. You are giving an offering to the Holy Spirit who called you by the gospel and baptized you and made you new. You're giving an offering to the Father who created you, gave you all that you have, gives you your daily bread, leads you not into temptation, delivers you from the evil one, and gives you your child's or your children, your job, your spouse, and your life. Your offering, your tithe is for Jesus Christ, who was mocked for you, who died for you, who rose for you, who cures your diseases, and who is there for you when no one else is. Christ's body, the Lutheran Church of the Holy Spirit, is what you give your tithes and your offerings to.
And so we're instructed by Moses to set down our offerings before the Lord and worship before our Lord and rejoice. That's what Deuteronomy says. Rejoice. Rejoice in all the good that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house, it says. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, your refuge. Gratitude looks like bringing your first fruits to the Lord. And so this Lent, I know I will, I'll be talking with my wife. And I pray that you'll talk with your spouse, your parents, your kids. Talk with God about what kind of risk of faith you can make to show and respond to Jesus that he has given us all that we have. For we take risks in faith in ways that we can feel it. Because we learn from Jesus in the desert that we don't just live by earthly resources alone, but by trusting, speaking, and hearing God's word. By worshiping and serving him alone. And by golly, not putting him to the test. Jesus bestows riches on those who call on him, is what we hear in the epistles. And yes, the riches that he bestows on us are first and foremost salvation, grace, forgiveness when no one else would ever think of forgiving us. But Jesus is trying to teach us as we enter into the gospel lesson. That all this stuff that he's doing in the desert isn't to try and show us how to resist the devil on our own or, I don't know, do something super impressive that will make God happy or smile. But to teach us to call on him when we're afraid and we can't do it. To call on him when we don't know the answer to our kids' questions at the dinner table about the Bible reading that we did. To call on him when we're sick or when we're tempted in the desert of our lives. But remember, we call on him, Jesus is Lord, most often here at the Lutheran Church of the Holy Spirit. And we're saved by God's grace through faith in his son, Jesus. But yet we cry out even when we don't think we're worshiping. We cry out to God for help because whether you think about it or not, it has been ingrained in your heart that God's word defeats Satan. God's word defeats Satan. And that's what Jesus is trying to teach us through his temptations in the desert. It is not by our strength, but God's alone. One little word can fell him. And so 
Satan brings Jesus up onto the top of the temple and shows him Jerusalem because Luke always ends in Jerusalem, no matter what chapter it is. And Jesus sets his face towards Jerusalem right after he's baptized, right after his ministry begins. Because in Jerusalem is the place that Abraham had his eyes set on as an eternal dwelling of our God. Not because we have to rebuild a temple and bring Jesus back, but because that was the place that the word of God made flesh would take his kingdom back from the devil. Because we hear the devil being all high and mighty about having possession of the kingdoms of this world in today's text. Jesus has to take it back. Jesus departs for an opportune time, and Satan does as well. The opportune time that he departs for is that cross, where he will draw you to himself, suffer for you, die for you, and raise from the dead for you. And Satan is asking Jesus in each one of these cases to bypass that suffering. Skip it. You don't have to do that, Jesus. But Jesus knows better. You can't grab glory without the suffering. Now forgive me, but I know that you have really just one question after hearing the readings today. Pastor, could Jesus have given in to, given in to the temptations? Nope. And it sounds lame to just give you a no, but let me tell you, it doesn't cheapen anything that Jesus could not have given in to the temptation. He couldn't give in because he is perfect. Jesus is good. Jesus is literally the truth. Truth can't give in to temptation. And so let's all just rest and be glad and be happy that there is something true, good, and beautiful out there that exists but not keep it in that abstract state. But to realize that what is true, good, and beautiful created everything, created you, gives you everything that you have, and won't let you fall away from him. Because he knows you personally, and died for you personally, and rose and ascended for you, and he wants you to follow him. Amen.